You know, recently I did a wedding. This was a couple of Saturdays ago. And it was a really special wedding. It was two people I've worked with at Chick-fil-A. And uh, every now and then when you're attending a wedding and you just see that there are two people there who love the Lord with all their heart and he puts them together, it's just a real special treat because not only are you excited about them coming together, but you're excited about their future together. And you know what marked this ceremony was their sincerity is they made their vows to one another before God. And it made me think of my wedding day. And I did not tell my wife I was going to do this. But I'm going to read the vows that I wrote to her on that day. And I'm going to, look, I'm not going to make you stand up, but I want you to, to hear this. And so this is what I said. I said, I, David, choose you, Gracie, to be my companion for life. I choose to treasure you, to respect you, and to place your needs before my own. For better or worse, for richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, as long as we both shall live, I choose you. And I still choose. Because as you can see, I chose well. She might have some regrets. Sometimes we hurt each other. Sometimes life hurts us together. And there are times that we feel forgotten and overlooked. But she has promised to be with me. I have promised to be with her. And we have confidence in that promise. And God has made a similar promise to you and to me. And this is a promise that you and I can have confidence in. God has promised to be with and there are days, just like there are days for me, when you feel like you're on your own and, you're, and there's nobody looking out for you and the man upstairs is not on your side. But God has promised through his word to you and to me that he is with you. And so that is the one promise that we're going to talk about today is that the Lord is with you. Turn to Genesis chapter 37. We're just going to pick a few verses out of the story of Joseph to consider. And I believe that God has, wants to encourage you today that no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what's going on in my life, that He is with you. The first point today is that God has a plan for your life. Genesis 37 verse 8 says, His brothers responded. This is after Joseph has ill-advisedly shared his dream with them, that he's going to be above them. They said, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So God had a specific plan in mind for Joseph. Remember the story? God foresaw a famine that would potentially wipe out Jacob's entire family decades later. He intended to place one of Jacob's family members at a prominent post in a foreign land that would be in a position to help his family avoid starvation. So God saw this way out in advance. And he intended to place Joseph in such a position. Unfortunately for Joseph, and unfortunately for us, God only gave Joseph a glimpse of the end of the story. He didn't tell him the whole story. He gave him a glimpse of the way it would turn out, but he didn't tell him what was going to happen along the way. 
And in his euphoria and his immaturity, Joseph lauded this revelation over his brothers. And he also insensitively shared it with his parents. And he showed that he was far from ready to play the role that God had in mind for him. So God foresaw it. He had a plan. He gave Joseph a glimpse, but he didn't tell him the whole story. And then Joseph revealed his immaturity in the way he shared it. You know, when you and I trust Christ for the first time, we're also given a glimpse of the end of the story, right? Heaven. One day we're going to be united with God forever in a rapturous and beautiful place. There will be no crying, no suffering, no war, no politics. Praise God, right? And perfect, perfect peace. But we're not ready yet. God still has a lot of work to do on us. Does God still have some work to do on you? He still has a lot of work left to do in us. We're not ready yet. And God has a big plan, as we're going to see in this story. God has a big plan that he wants us to participate in. Romans 8.29 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In the first four weeks we have discussed important steps that you can take this year in order for God to position you for impact. Decide to serve the one Lord. Ask God to give you one word that will be your theme for this year. Anybody got their one word decided? Want to share Thankfulness. Who else has a word? Miss Sadie? Advance. Advance. Okay. That's trust. Trust. Humility. Humility. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. It's important. And this is the theme for this year. A couple more. Obedience. Obedience. Patience. Patience. Woo! I was in a store one day and I saw a mom and a kid having a, having a tussle over, over him getting a toy or a piece of candy, I forget which. And she just kept saying, patience, son, patience, patience. And he said, my name ain't patience. <laughs> but that's good. So we talked about one word. We talked about setting aside one day each week to love and be loved at church. And we talked about, or Adam talked about, prayerfully choosing one person to encourage, to pray for, and to serve. And those are all important steps that we can take. But this is all part of a bigger picture. Joseph thought it was all about him. And so he got proud. But he didn't realize he just had a part to play in a bigger, much bigger picture. God has a plan. He has a plan for your life, and it's not too late. And I know you, just like I know me. We get to a place in our life where we feel like, I missed it. I blew it. I missed the opportunities. I missed my chance. It's too late. And I know you're going to laugh when I say that at 37. But I felt that way too. But it's not too late. Joseph was going to have many opportunities to feel like he had missed it. It was too late. There was no hope. It was over. But 
God has a plan for your life, and it's not too late. In fact, as we'll see in the life of Joseph, that God's plan always includes a process. It always includes a process. You know, sadly, in your life and my life, change doesn't happen overnight. Wouldn't that be nice? You just push the easy button, flip a switch, and be exactly who you need to be to live your life the way God wants you to live it. But change doesn't happen overnight. We want change to be an event, right? I prayed a prayer. I went down front. I made a decision. We want it to be an event. But in his wisdom, God has prescribed something much better and longer lasting for us than an event. He's prescribed for you and I a journey. Right? We want it to be done and over and settled. But he's taking us on a journey. Like he was taking Joseph on a journey. But on this journey, there's going to be some bumps in the road. It's not going to be smooth sailing all the way. As you and I become more like Jesus, because that's the goal, some things might happen to you. Some things will happen to you. Family may hurt you. Family may hurt you. Genesis 37, verses 26 to 28 said, Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? Because that was their plan. They wanted to get rid of him. We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traitors. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traitors, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to, to the traitors for 20 pieces of silver. And the traitors took him to Egypt. You know, as you and I become increasingly devoted to the one Lord, we gradually conform more and more to the image of Christ. You may find that your former fans and partners in crime become some of your harshest critics. My mom found that out from her parents. My mom and dad are both first-generation Christians. And she can remember her mom and dad saying things like, is that how a Christian acts? I thought you'd go to church. Why are you behaving that way? So family can hurt us. And the people you expect to be supportive actually undermine God's will for your life. It's so frustrating. I'm going to church. I'm trying to get my life right. I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to be a blessing. And there's my family. You know, cutting my legs out from under me. Or are they? Are they undermining God's will for your life? Is it possible that your family's misdirected persecution or casual commentary causes them to unwittingly become part of the process? And that's what we're going to see in Joseph's life. What they intended for harm, he says this later in life, what you intended for harm, God used for good. God's comprehensive plan involves many moving parts. And as Romans indicates, some parts serve a noble purpose. And some parts serve a common purpose. So when family hurts you, and when they doubt you, and when they criticize you, and when they crush you, it's possible that the pain that they cause you, just like in the story of Joseph, might be the catalyst that one day opens the door 
to God's salvation through you. God uses that rock in your shoe to move you, to push you, sometimes to make you mad. Huh? Anybody ever done something good out of spite? Be honest. I'll show you. So God can use people's hurt, people's harm for good. And it can lead to their salvation through you, which is exactly what's going to happen in the story of Joseph. They wanted to kill him. Only because Reuben intervened did they, did they spare his life, but they did not intend good for him. But God used it for good. Secondly, as you're becoming more like Christ, life may hurt you. Genesis 39, uh, beginning in verse 18. The Hebrew slave that you brought into our house tried to come in and mess around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held, and there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. Don't, don't miss that. Because when family hurts you or when life hurts you, the Lord is still with you. And because the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love, and the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. So for the second time now, Joseph has dealt a rotten hand. You ever been, you ever had a raw deal? Business and life in a relationship? You got the short end of the stick? And, and you got hurt. Life hurt you. And you're like, I, I don't even feel like I have any options here. This is a mess. I don't feel like I caused it. I don't feel like I'm totally to blame, but it's a mess. But Joseph did nothing to earn this other than be a little bit youthful and immature. So here he is. You know, at this point, the dream that Joseph had as a boy was seeming increasingly unlikely to ever happen. Where he was going to be elevated, where people were going to be bowing down to him. And nobody would have blamed him at this point to call it quits and become cynical and bitter, right? When he was in Potiphar's house, he had opportunities. If he had been cynical and bitter at God, he said, hey, here's this, this woman who's interested in me. I'm going to throw off all restraint. And then he goes into the prison. He has a second chance to be cynical and bitter, but he has to make a choice. Is he going to fold, throw his cards on the table and say, I'm done with this? I quit. I give up. God, clearly you are not with me. Or is he going to go all in? Don't you love those scenes in movies where they, they, they take all the chips and they go all in? Going for broke. And Joseph has that choice. Is he going to fold or is he going to go all in and say, God, I have no other options. I don't understand this. I don't like this. I'm upset about this. But I'm going all in. And I'm going to trust you with everything. So he has to make a choice. And what's exciting here is that strong faith is not required of Joseph. We have no idea whether his faith is rock solid or whether he's just hanging on by his fingernails. I suspect it's some of the, some of the latter. 
He just needs enough faith to keep believing that God has a plan. That God's in charge. And that God has a plan for him. And sometimes in your life and my life, we just need just enough faith to hang on by our fingernails and believe with all of our hearts that God's not done with me yet. This isn't over until God says it's over. My friend Mary Hillman said that a couple of weeks ago. This isn't over. It's not over until God says it's over. Thirdly, Joseph experiences, and maybe you have as well. As you're becoming more and more like Christ, you may feel forgotten. Like nobody cares, nobody's watching. Genesis 40, 12 through 15 says, This is what the dream means, Joseph said. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position as chief cupbearer. What had happened was there were two people who had been thrown into prison with Joseph. He found favor with the warden. He had been promoted to the position of administrator. And here comes the baker and the cupbearer, and they've had dreams. And he has to give him the sad news. To the baker, he says, you're toast. To the cupbearer, he says, it's going to be okay. And after he delivers that encouraging message, he says, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. That's not unreasonable. I mean, he had given him a really great, favorable message. He says, mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and I'm here in prison, and I did nothing to deserve it. He's innocent. He's been a slave. He's innocent, and he's been a prisoner. But the Lord has been with him. And now he's thinking, finally, maybe this is the opportunity. God gave me the interpretation for the dream. This is my ticket out of here. But it was not to be. Verse 40, chapter 41, verse 1 says, Two full years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In other words, the cupbearer forgot about him. In his excitement that his life had been spared, he completely forgot for two full years the person who had made it possible. So after being hurt by his family and experiencing terrible luck and injustice in Potiphar's house, God gives Joseph an opportunity to improve his lot. But the rescued cupbearer forgets. And at this point, Joseph is beyond hurt. I mean, you and I have been there. Sometimes family hurts us. Sometimes life hurts us. But this is totally different. Now he's feeling forgotten. In other words, it's moved from, it's not personal anymore. You ever had a situation where you're on the phone or you're, you're in front of a counter and somebody's treating you like a number, like an annoyance? And it hurts. And it makes you mad. And the reason, because it's not personal. And you ever heard somebody say, oh, it's not personal, it's just business. It's not personal. And that's the most offensive thing that you can experience because it's impersonal. You don't even feel like a person. You feel forgotten. Nobody cares. Nobody even knows that you exist. Recently, I interacted with a stranded man who was trying to get home. I was at Fish. I was sitting in um, someone's office, and uh, he was trying to get home. And he had to kind of show what was going on. He had to provide as much proof as could be provided, you know, that he needed to get home to Illinois. And it was my pleasure to be there because Fish decided to help him. He had been camping out in Monroe. He was trying to get home. He was down on his luck. His story might have had some holes in it. 
Sounded a little bit funny. The fish decided to buy him a bus ticket. Dude <laughs> cried. Right there. His heart was so blessed that somebody heard his cry and met his need. He just cried. Couldn't help himself. And again, who knows exactly what was going on there. But at that moment, because it was a Christian organization, because we prayed with that man, he did not feel forgotten. It was very personal. And he knew in that moment, and he said as much, God's with me. God's with me. So our role is to trust God and to believe that he is with us. So Joseph is discouraged now. He's feeling forgotten, but he has an advantage now. He has experience with God that inspires him to continue to hope. How else could a slave become the boss? How else could a prisoner find favor in promotion? I mean, this does not happen. Can you imagine Potiphar's household? This, this dirty slave comes in and he, he gets to be the boss. Number two. And then he gets thrown into prison for a heinous crime. And he finds favor with the warden. And now he's number two in the prison system. How else could that happen? So Joseph has experience with God, and so his faith remains intact. And for you and I, that's all we need. Just a couple of experiences. Just a, just a kind word, just a blessing. Just, just God come through one time. And we can remember that it can be part of our story, part of our history with God. To encourage us to keep on keeping on. So his faith remains intact. And this is proven by his response to Pharaoh's dream, which he correctly interprets. He's been waiting two long years for a chance. And then Pharaoh calls him up and he says, I'm on my way. He doesn't hesitate. He doesn't kind of wallow in his discouragement. He steps up to the plate. He does what God's called him to do and enable him to do. So the final point this morning is that God's plan will be accomplished. And the reason why is because the Lord is with you. And the Lord was with Joseph. Pharaoh said to Joseph in Genesis 41, 41, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. And at this moment, years of his life have, been, have ebbed away. But he finally sees God's plan accomplished. And the vision, the glimpse that God gave him has come to pass. And all of those seemingly separate parts that he was so discouraged about are now woven together like a tapestry. And so the message for you and I today is that our role in life isn't to figure everything out because we can't. Doesn't it just drive you crazy? When you try to fit it all together and try to make it make sense. And you can't. I have no idea why this happened, God. I have no idea why that happened. I have no idea why my family hurt me. I have no idea why life hurt me. I can't explain to you why I feel so forgotten, God. But I do. But you're in my role. When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Right? When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Our role is simply to do the little things that God has called us each to do every day. Just the little things by faith. Because it takes faith 
doesn't it? Sometimes just to get up in the morning. It takes faith to do the little things, to be kind, to love our spouses, to love our children, to be kind to the stranger, to the neighbor, to the postman. It takes faith to do those little things. And with Joseph, it took incredible faith for him to just keep on keeping on, doing what he knew to do, being faithful in the little things. And then one day when the day came, because he had been faithful all those other days with the little bitty things, the insignificant things as a slave, as a prisoner, as a nobody, when the time came, he was ready. He was ready. Benjamin Disraeli says, one secret of success in life is for a man to be ready for his opportunity when it comes. And Joseph was ready because he'd done the hard work of believing, hoping against hope, believing even when he didn't see the evidence. Jesus said, blessed is he who believes and yet has never seen. That's when you're getting into deep water faith. And it takes courage. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the bottom line today is the Lord is with you. Even when family hurts you, even when life hurts you, even when you and I feel forgotten, the Lord is with you. God has a plan for your life. He wants you and I to become more like Christ. Max Lucado said, God loves you just the way you are. Isn't that good news? We believe that today. God loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much. He loves you too much to leave you that way. Can I get an amen? amen? He loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. And as you become more like Jesus, family's going to hurt you, right? Family's going to hurt you, disappoint you, attack you. Life's going to hurt you. You're going to sometimes feel forgotten, but take heart. God's plan will be accomplished. Nothing can stop him. Look at the story of Joseph. Against all odds, impossible odds, Joseph rose to second in command of the, of the military superpower of their time, Egypt. Went from being a nobody nowhere to being a somebody at the top of the ladder. And you know he was ready. You know why you know he was ready? Because he had a chance to get revenge. And the brothers come crawling to him, and they want food. If Joseph had been younger, if he hadn't been through the entire process, what do you think he would have done? Now's my chance off with their heads, right? But he was ready, and he testified to that when he said, you guys tried to harm me, but God had a bigger plan, and it was to save you through <laughs> And the reason that God's plan is going to be accomplished is because the Lord is with you. Just like the Lord was with Joseph. You are not alone. 
even though we feel alone. You are not forgotten, even though we feel forgotten. The Lord is with you. Pray with me. God, we love you. And we're so grateful for this truth that you've shared with us today through the story of Joseph, that even um, when things certainly do not seem to indicate that you are with us and that you're for us, and that you've got a plan, and that you've got a plan for our lives, God. Help us to keep on believing, and to put our faith and our trust only in you. And when life hits us and hurts us, God, and we want to fold and throw in the cards and, and, and just get, and get out of here, and, and give up and quit, that you would encourage us, God, through your word and through our friends and church, to go all in, and to lean on you completely, God, so that you can do the things that only you can do. It's in Jesus' name I pray.